Good morning, church. Um, my name is Aaron Hans, for those of you who know me. Um, for those of you who don't, um, my name is Aaron Hans. Um, sorry about that. Uh, this is the second time I have done this, so I've got the difficult one out of the way, so I can pretty much guarantee this is the best sermon I have ever given. Um, and it is week three of Bear With Me, um, and quite honestly, could there be a more appropriate title for today? Bear with me, please. Um, in the meantime, um, don't forget that Chad told you all to be nice. Um, so, a little bit about me. I am a uh, financial planner, coach by, by trade. I have a, a wonderful, awesome wife. I have five great kids. And I, I think I've lived a pretty good life to date. Um, it, gets, it gets even neater because I am a seminary student at Gordon-Conwell, and even crazier than that, I'm an ordination candidate within Eco-Presbyterians. Uh, that actually sounds a little weird to say out loud. But anyways, um, I, love, I love my wife. She's an incredible woman. I love my kids. I mean, being a dad is, is one of the greatest things I have ever been able to do. Uh, and I love my life. I mean, I've got so many stories and so many adventures. And on top of that, I really, really do love Jesus. I mean, the power and the glory and the love and the just amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for me, for us. I mean, it's just incredible, and I love him. Don't you? But, you know, I, I think about what I think about, and I think about what I do, and I really stand confused, utterly confused on why I do what I do. If I love her, if I love them, if I love him, why do I do what I do? I look at my thoughts, I look at my actions, I see lust, I see greed, I see envy, I see jealousy, and actually one of the, the scariest ones is I see doubt. When I look at my actions, I, 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 I act anxious, I, I act as if I have no worth, I have this ever-present ever imposter syndrome. You know when you think you're no good for doing what you're doing, like now, perhaps? Um, but I'm not alone. If you look at some statistics, two million people in the U.S. today are, is addicted to gambling. 36.5% of adults are obese. 46% of U.S. adults say that a family member or a close friend is addicted to drugs. In 2019, almost 26% of people 18 and older reported that they had indulged in binge, binge drinking in the last month. We have 95,000 deaths a year attributed to alcohol. 40% of U.S. Users aged 18 to 22, just that small segment, feel that they are addicted to social media. So see, I'm not. We're not alone. We all know what God wants from us. I know how God made me, and I know why God made me. I know what I want to do, but I just don't do it. So I went to scripture to see what it says about this. And I ended up at Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. And in the ESV, it states, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, 
sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the law when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good morning, God. We gather today and and we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your word. We thank you for this place. And we thank you for this family. For now, we ask you to help us set aside all that we think we know so we can learn something new. Learn something new about you, about others, and about ourselves. I now give you my mind, my heart, and my mouth. Do with me as you see fit. In your son's name and all God's children said, amen. Okay, so let's head back to scripture for a second. What's going on here? Romans, the author is clearly Paul. And this is a, this is a minister's letter. This is a letter from a pastor caring for his flock. One reason why Paul wrote this letter was because he knew that the world the Romans lived in was hard. And it was hard because the believers lived in the society that was very much against the society that God had called them to live in. In these verses, Paul is actually putting on the table a personal internal struggle that he himself is having. Now remember, Paul is the writer of most of the New Testament. He is probably, undoubtedly, the greatest advocate of Christ and being a Christian. But I'm sorry. Um, But that wasn't always that Paul. Before this, he actually persecuted Christians to the point of death. He was killing them. And then he had an encounter with Christ that would change his life, and quite honestly, ours, forever. He's struggling with the old Paul versus the new Paul. He went through this fantastic and radical transformation to the point that he is now raising up churches and spreading the gospel. Yet, he still struggles. By his example, Paul is actually giving us permission to be a mess, especially in a world that makes being a mess, well, quite honestly, messy and unacceptable. Now, one idea I like to play with when I read scripture is to try to figure out who I am in the story. What's interesting in this case is there's only one character, it's Paul. And I can quite honestly see myself in Paul. 
About four years ago, I decided uh, to respond differently to a calling that had been brewing in my heart for quite a while from God. And I decided to pursue seminary. Risk leaving behind owning my own business and all that Wall Street had to offer for this thing, this thing we call the church. It was not the only transformation I have ever made in my life. On January 15th, 2005, could have been a couple days earlier, I can't quite remember, I stopped using drugs and alcohol that was freed, and I was freed from the obsession that had been plagued me since I was about 15 years old. As there was an old Paul and a new Paul, there was an old Aaron and there is a new Aaron. Just because I have been able to make changes or that God in his divine care and love for me has put me in a new safe place, that doesn't mean I don't flirt with the past. To this day, I still struggle. I haven't used, and that doesn't mean I don't struggle. Ask my wife and she will give you plenty of examples. Here's the key, life is hard. We know how the story ends and being a Christian does not make it any easier. In fact, I would submit it makes it more difficult. But in that, there's hope, there's joy, and there is a life full of peace to be experienced. Now, when we look at these Bible verses, there's something neat going on with the grammar. Prior to this, Paul had been writing in the past tense. In these verses, he abruptly changes to the present tense. What that means is that this applies to him now. As a Christian, writing a letter to the Romans, Paul struggles. Here's where it really gets fun. If he was a person that wasn't a believer, he would have never struggled in this way. People that aren't believers live their life with no struggle. They do what they want, when they want, how they want it and there's no struggle. They could and would do anything. We all know people like that. So if I put these two things together, my faith, my struggle, is actually proof of my growing faith. Being messy, knowing that I'm messy, and wanting to clean it up, that's part of the key here. Remember, life is hard, but we have God's word. When I look at the struggle in such a way as a sign of spiritual health, I can actually get excited. To passionately desire to be perfect for the glory of God, but then struggle when I feel distress that I'm not living up to that. That's actually when I find my faith to be alive and well in me. That's a healthy distress and one that I personally invite. Here's another way to put it that I thought I would invite you to work with. I said earlier that life is hard and even harder as a Christian. Well, we should relish in these internal battles as it shows our faith is alive. It is because we are saved that we have these struggles. There's a story of a British newspaper that had sent out a question to a bunch of famous authors. And that one question was, what's wrong with the world? Well, one writer, G.K. Chesterton, responded with, Dear Sir, I am. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. I am. Looking at another way to put all of this, 
I love how the message in verses 21 through 24 puts it. Don't forget that Eugene Peterson is a great Presbyterian preacher. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels. Just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there anyone who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? So where do we find this from, this struggle? Let's go back to Genesis 3 for just a minute because that's where we are promised because of this sin that there is going to be a struggle. Now, the struggle is in the flesh. It is because of the sinful nature and it is universal, but it is also an individual struggle. In these verses, 14 through 25, 38 times Paul uses the word I or myself. No believer is left out of the struggle. It's in the flesh. It is the sinful nature that lives in me and that's okay because we know how this is gonna end. And as I walk through life, I try not to think that anything's too small to struggle with. In Luke 22, 31 through 32, now this is at the Last Supper, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You know, I have struggled over and over. I still struggle, and I'm going to struggle with all sorts of issues. But Jesus, Jesus is there and he's praying for me. He's praying for us. And when we come out of that struggle, we are to help our brothers. We are to help others through their struggle. Just as Paul is doing for us now. When we strengthen, when we share our wisdom, when we share our experience, we love others right where they are because they are where we have been. Again, life is hard, but life is hard because we have God's word and we believe in it. We have his whole story from beginning to end. We know his whole plan and we know that we are wonderfully made in his image. To be frank, the devil hates that and he has a tool of his own. It's this thing called sin that dwells within us. Satan loves that. Now, every time I get into scripture, I get a little frustrated, I get a little confused, I get a little down. It's quite often that I haven't read far enough. Just when we think that this is all too much and we resign to the idea that sin is there and there's nothing we can do about it, or worse, when I say, ah, nobody knows that I looked, we read verse 24. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Pretty good question. But then Paul in verse 25 answers us. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now what is really exciting to look at is Paul knew the answer. Paul knew the answer from the beginning. 
but he took his time to get here. Paul wanted and needed us to see the struggle. I can struggle. I can grow in that struggle. And in the end, with God in the lead, we are going to win. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, which is another letter from Paul? He tells us, not that I have already obtained this or that I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider it that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. So I say let's struggle. Let's struggle together and let's enjoy the struggle. Yep, I said enjoy. For those of you who run or work out, you know what it means to enjoy the struggle. For those of you who have raised children, you know what it means to enjoy the struggle. For those of you who run and have raised children, you really know how to enjoy the struggle. Let us not condemn our brothers and our sisters for their struggle. Let us not make one struggle more important or worse than or better than another struggle. Because of Jesus, let's call on the Holy Spirit and fight the good fight. Now, every Sunday, we have a a group that meets that we study scripture, we encourage each other, and we pray for each other. It's called Grace 812. We have all come together because of our struggle. Various forms and various degrees, but we have all become willing to say, I hate that I do that, and I know I don't have to. When I grab Jesus' hand, there is no telling where I'm going or who's coming with me. I wanted to chase money and prestige. I wanted nothing but fancy dinners and Brooks Brothers suits. But because I did not grab his hand, I couldn't go through a morning without a mind-altering substance. And now, today, I stand before you with just three classes left in my seminary degree. I've been invited to be a fellow at the Pierce Center for Spiritual Formation at Gordon-Conwell. And guys, I have been clean and sober for over 6,000 days. What gives me my hope? I'll tell you, it's the proof in the pudding. I was raised a good Lutheran. I went to Lutheran high school. My MBA, it's from Concordia. But I never really grabbed the hand that Jesus had put right out in front of me. Until, until I did. Quite honestly, I wasn't Paul writing Romans. I was Paul on the way, on on the road to Damascus. And lastly, let's not worry about the struggle. Let's not worry about the fight. Embrace the fight. He is one, so do not allow weariness to set in. There's no battle he can't win. And in fact, we see that in Hebrews 12.3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In your struggle, think of Jesus. Think about who he is. Think about what he did. Think about how he did it. And be grateful that you don't have to do that. And live the struggle. 
So, like we like to say around here, so what? Well, I really want us to feel a little bit peacefully uncomfortable. We all have struggles, some big, some small. Some of us have a whole bunch of struggles that we don't know what to do with. We know we don't want to do it, but we keep doing it. And that's okay. Let's be grateful for our faith and the fact that we have these struggles. It shows that we're growing. Continue to mature, continue to grow in your faith, continue to have the struggles, but stay peaceful in the struggle. Stay at peace with God, stay at peace with others, and stay at peace with yourself. I had to acknowledge the struggle. I had to name it. Then I had to get to know Jesus at a level I had never been willing to do. Then I turned to God. I turned to Jesus and I turned to the Holy Spirit to fight the battle and rejoice every day in that struggle. Yep, I said rejoice. I am so grateful that I am a recovered alcoholic. But you know what? There's a better way to describe me. And that is I am a believer who struggles with sin. The struggle, your struggle, actually shows love God God's love and grace for us, not only to us, but through us. Sometimes my struggle isn't for me. It's for somebody else that's watching me. So with that, let's be there for each other. Let's listen to each other's struggle. No, no, I mean really, really listen. Share your struggle, share your hope, and share your experience of the wrestling. Tell them the story of how you got to know Jesus better because of your struggle. The struggle, it's important to share, but what really matters is that you share how you grew through the struggle. Do not worry about the telling so much, but show them. Show them the victory that God has claimed in your life. I'll leave you with this. Many, many years ago, a very wise man gave me a simple phrase to live by. It's a, it's a principle that I say quite, quite often and I have to remind myself almost every day about. And that's four simple things to do in this life. Love God, show up, be alert, and hang loose. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to um, thank you for this opportunity to serve you this morning. As we go out there, let us all be reminded that sin is at every corner. That struggle against sin is a gift. It is a gift allowed by you to show us so we can experience, experience your love, your power, and your glory. Protect us. Send us out there with the Holy Spirit to help us. Let us, let us know you better and let us help others. We thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.